This episode of Boulder is Right is sponsored by Audible.com. I've spent the last month of my life attempting to figure out exactly what happened to a specific woman in Sweden. To make it more complicated, the specific day in particular is in 1932, which makes it much harder to figure out because that happened 86 years ago. I've been searching all over the internet and even flirted with the idea of flying to Sweden. Then I realized I didn't know Swedish, nor do I have the money to book a flight to Sweden. So that idea was thrown out. So I decided to head to the place that would give me the most answers about Sweden that wouldn't break the bank. And no, I'm not talking about going to Ikea. I headed to Reddit to see if I could find anything the main articles on this cold case didn't have. Because this is a cold case that's over 85 years old, I wasn't going to be able to talk to anyone who actually investigated the murder because it's still an open case. But I had to find someone to talk to that could shed some light on one of the more bizarre parts of this case. Throughout this episode, we will hear from Anthony Hogg, a vampirologist, as well as my producers, Curtis and Brandon, in order to come up with a hopeful conclusion on what happened to a young woman that created a Swedish cultural phenomenon known as the Atlas Vampire. Mulder Was Right presents Mulder Talks Murder. I'm your host, Brendan Sauer. Now you're probably thinking to yourself, Wait, did he say vampire? I did, but before we get into the murder, we need to take a look into the backdrop of where this murder takes place. The year was 1932, and Sweden was in the midst of a big depression. Some might call it the uh, Great Depression. Unemployment was nearly 25%. Before this, the industrial reform was booming in Sweden. From the turn of the century till about 1930, Sweden was in full reform mode. Technology was improving and social reform was taking place. Universal men's suffrage would pass in 1909 and women would join them in 1921. Their socialist ties would begin in the early 1930s when the social democrats rose to power. As the brink of war would draw closer, Sweden would spend most of their budget on the military to keep other countries who might invade out. Our story takes place in Stockholm, Sweden's capital, in the Atlas District. It was previously a largely industrial area named after the Atlas Copco Company, who dominated the area at the time. Atlas Copco changed their base of operations, and Stockholm repurposed the area for living spaces. The apartment buildings were thin and tall, and the flats being quite small. In one of these small flats lived Lily Lindstrom. As I said earlier, Sweden was in a huge depression, which meant living was tight. Lindstrom was known as the call girl in her apartment complex for one of two reasons. She was the only person in her building to have a telephone, and she was also a call girl. While living was tight, all around the country, people still had their needs. But prostitution was illegal in Sweden at the time. So business had to be done quietly. And business took place as usual on the night of May 2nd, 1932. The night began as any typical night, Lily getting a call from a potential client. She set the meetup for 8pm to conduct their business. 
Eight o'clock came around, and the gentleman is ushered inside her home. After a few minutes, Lily heads across the hall to her friend Millie's apartment. Millie was also a prostitute, and Lily asked her for a condom. Millie obliged, and Lily was off on her way. A couple of hours passed, and Lily once again knocked on Millie's door, requesting the same thing. Millie cooperated, and Lily told her that she would see her the following day. This would be the last time Lily would be seen again. The following morning came, and Millie didn't see Lily. A day passed, and on May 4th, Millie called the police. The police entered Lily's apartment to find a disturbing sight. Lily was found face down on the bed, naked, with her clothes neatly folded on a nearby chair. She had been dead for about two to three days. It was clear sexual intercourse had taken place because police found a used condom left in her anus. Lily most likely was killed by blunt force trauma to the head. It wasn't until after investigating the murder further did they uncover the strangest details. Lily had dried saliva on her neck, and her entire body was drained of blood. Furthermore, there was a blood-stained ladle in the room, which police state the suspect presumably used to drink her blood. Once the media got wind of the story, the murder was deemed the Atlas Vampire because of the vampire-like clues left behind at the crime scene. After doing a bit of research, I brought this information to my producers, Brandon and Curtis, to see what they thought about the event. So, um, the timeline sounded like, uh, Lily is, has been, Millie saw Lily, like, the death time, does that line up? It's because you said she was dead for like two or three days, but. Yes, it does. It, it does line up. It does line up. Because, okay. because presumably she was murdered May 2nd and she was found May 4th. Right. And, um, what, what about the man she was seeing that night? Um. Were there any investigation into him? So, so they did investigate um, all of the men that she had seen recently, um, all of them, and how none did they of, learn about them? Like, did she? Did she? Keep I records, believe. Or? I be, Yeah, I believe she had records. Okay. Um, but they, but they investigated all of them. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure Millie also helped identify sure. some of them. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but they weren't able to pin any of them down as being the one who did this. Uh, currently, currently, this murder remains unsolved to this day. There is no person who has, who presumably have done this. Sure. That being said, we have we have a handful of ideas on what might have happened or who might have done this. I mean, I mean, obviously, the man who was with her that night seems like the likely suspect. A fair suspect. Yes. Right? Uh, yes. Because he was yes, a likely suspect. Um. He was ruled, and so and so. It's theorized that Lily actually had seen two different men that night. Okay, um, one in the earlier time, and then one later at around which of ten. Them, which of them is the one that she needed a condom for, though? Uh, both. They both needed a condom. Right. So, well, yeah. sure, but did she ask for two condoms from Millie, or did she just get? She one? did go twice. Oh, she did. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. She went twice. Um. And so and so, it's theorized that potentially. Um, the second guy did it or the first guy did it. But as I said, the police had gone through and ruled both of them out. Now, I'm not saying that the police have never been wrong before, <laughs> but, but, you know, sure. it's, uh-huh. it's yeah. theorized that for whatever reason, they, that, that they were, that they were ruled out. Yeah. Okay. 
Uh, well, the blood thing. Yeah, the blood well, thing. So, so it was the blood so thing. I, I was going to ask, um, is the Atlas Vampire moniker something that the uh, media cooked up? Or did the cops think, man, this is a da- – damn, this is a vampire. So – so, so, so the media was the one that gave the name the Atlas Vampire. Yeah, that sounds like mostly some because shit that it took place in in the Atlas area of of Sweden, yeah, of Stockholm, and because it had clear signs that <laughs> because someone had was no blood left. Yeah, someone was trying to do some sort of weird vampire thing. What? So there, the the ladle was nearby. It was clearly bloody. Yes, clearly bloody. Now, now the issue with. With a lot of the stuff here, yeah, um, in relation to this murder, is that if this murder had taken place, really, any time, like, like if it happened fifty years earlier, or sorry, later, um, we'd know. We would we would know who did it. Yeah, because because right. we'd have DNA testing, we'd have all right. of that. It would be easy to figure out. Um, they did have fingerprint testing at the time, and apparently, um, whoever did this murder was very conscious of that and was able to wipe away their fingerprints on a lot of things. Smart criminal, yes. Yeah, I always thought gloves were sort of the... The go-to. Yeah, the go-to there. Yeah. (laughs) Really easy to not touch Mm -hmm. anything with your bare hand, it turns out. Yeah. Right, yeah, okay. So did a similar... was, Was it clear how they drained the blood from Lily? Um... From all of the sources that I could find online, uh-huh. there was no clear place on where they drained the blood. Um, as I said, she died from blunt force trauma to the head, but right. there was no clear sort of place where they were able to drain the blood. I have not read any sources that claim that there are any incisions anywhere on her body. What about little pinpricks that are about this far apart? Like two little spots on the neck. Um, yeah. There was dried saliva on her neck, but no well, sort of pinpoints. That sort of goes hand in hand with sexual activity. It's it's true. Um, or it could go hand in hand on somebody trying to uh, vampire activity. vampire activate. Yes, <laughs> somebody activate. trying to vampire, vampire. <laughs> activate. Yes, somebody trying to turn into a vampire. <laughs> uh, like a anime. Anyway, so. Um, While talking to Anthony Hogg, once again, vampirologist, we really went into depth talking about exactly what we can take away from this strange murder. We don't want to speculate too much. Now, there is a language barrier between the information that I was able to gather and the native language uh, in Sweden, Swedish. So... Clearly, there's some information that is being missed between the stuff that I'm reading and the original source material. So just keep that in mind as we continue throughout this this episode. We're going to switch over to talking to Anthony, who was who was so kind enough to uh, enlighten me on some of the vampire aspects, but. As I said earlier, Anthony has some interesting insights into this. So here's Anthony. So much blood. <laughs> the, <laughs> the interesting thing about speculation, I mean, it can literally take you anywhere. I yeah, mean, the, the interesting thing you said was that you have to speculate. I disagree. I don't think you have to speculate. I think it's a fun kind of thinking exercise. But if you, it's it's so easy to go down the rabbit hole of. Um, 
of speculation there it it blurs the line between what's of what's fiction and fact which is why we should always root ourselves in the material that we have i mean in terms all that of being said of as you know here on Mulder was right we do a lot of speculation so here's more speculation from me and my producers now now, when thinking about this, um, there there are a couple other unsolved murders or unsolved um, sort of like things that sort of point to this or sort yeah. of have similarities between yeah. these. Um, for instance, the Jack the Ripper case, um, mm-hmm. where has he has never been caught before, but he would frequently um, go after prostitutes. Mm-hmm. Sure, which is which is you know a big a big point here in this case that she was a prostitute um and so and so and so you kind of have to take that um into consideration as well maybe it's the same person because almost sort of in the same time oh really when 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 did the jack the ripper case take place (laughs) (laughs) probably i feel like i feel like it was earlier but i could mm, be wrong yeah i feel like maybe 30 years earlier you're right you're right okay Um, well you know he could have come out of the woodwork well, yeah, yeah, yeah. He saw he saw Dracula, and he was like, "I never tried that." Yeah. So, so Jack the Ripper was never caught, but he had he he had a similar mo where he would go after prostitutes. prostitutes. You know, people people who theoretically other people wouldn't care too much about. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Drinks um, of society. Alternatively, uh, yeah. Um, a couple years later. Let me let me get the actual year. This is where the gift of editing is going to go by. Great. Boo boo boo. Fill in this time. Um, several uh, about a decade and a half later. Um, have you guys ever heard of the murder of the Black Dahlia? Uh, the name is familiar, but I don't uh, know the details. There, there is a metal band named like Black Dahlia Murder or something like that. I think like there's that. also a film called Black Dahlia. So, yeah, yes, yes, that is correct. Um, so uh, the person's name is Elizabeth Short. She was murdered in 1947. So mm. still the same same time frame. Um, she was murdered in Los Angeles, California, though, so very different area. Um she was posthumously known as the Black Dahlia, and she was murdered in uh, Lamert Park, neighborhood of Los Angeles, California. She had a similar uh, relation to to this case. For instance, she was also she was found pale, incredibly pale, mm. um, and she was found. Her body was cut in half, um, and her body had been drained of blood entirely. God, she was cut in half. Cut in half. I feel like it'd be that her the fact that she has no blood and cut in half. Um, I buy that more than being whole and having no blood. So 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 we've touched on the the thought process that it was potentially one of her one of the people who she met with one of her yeah. clients one yeah. of her clients which 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 really makes the most sense at least when you first look at it you know just straight right. up yeah. Um, there are some other theories that claim that maybe it was a police officer. They would know how to make it so that they would be not incriminated for 
Right. They would the be case. able to evade the, the fingerprints. Yeah. Um, they would know what other police officers would look for. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's also, to that point, uh, you work long enough and in crime, like fighting crime, I imagine you get some sense of how to do certain things like right. drain all the blood from a body. Yeah. <laughs> Which is not to say that police officers are predisposed to draining blood from bodies. I'm just saying that they have a lot of access to knowledge that if they decided to go the wrong way, they could, used to great effect possibly um what what if what if millie did Mm. did it millie was like lily's taking all my johns i really need more johns kills lily drains all her blood drinks her blood that is something that has not actually been proposed interesting actually out of the out of like the major theories yeah the condom that i've read the big like issue there of course Mm -hmm. you could argue um she could plant one uh, yeah. to throw the trail off of herself. She could even plant like a used condom. She probably had access to them being. A and this isn't a herself. time where they can test the semen to really identify who it no, belonged yeah, they to. Wouldn't. So was there semen in the condom? Is that a detail? That's I like, I, I am at, I imagine there was it's a used but... condom. Sure. I, I don't know. <laughs> We don't talk about condoms much on this show. On this no. show, no. That's this. Um, it 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 was a used condom, so theoretically there were some juices that perhaps they're trying to say there were, there were juices. Yes. You can't. Don't. Come on, semen. <laughs> <laughs> like like apple juice. Yeah. Like, uh... Some orange juice, one of those, uh, like a like a cranberry, uh, cran apple, cran apple, yeah, one of those mixtures. <laughs> so like a hundred percent juice <laughs> from concentrate, or, or yeah, or was it from concentrate? Uh, I believe it was from concentrate. Oh, <laughs> yeah, is that what we call it? No nowadays? one buys, yeah. no one buys a hundred percent nowadays. On that note, let's get a little bit more serious and see what Anthony has to say. So, mm. so what's your what's your first take on this? My first take was it was actually quite an interesting case uh, because the 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 mis- most mysterious aspect to it is the complete absence of blood. I mean, what it, what I harked back to is uh, kind of cattle mutilation cases. You know, the typical explanation for the loss of blood in those cases is that it seeps into the ground. So um, I'll clarify, I'm not a forensic pathologist or a criminologist or anything like that, but that provides an outlet for the blood. There's some way it can escape. But this this happened in a bedroom, uh, and you would think that if the blood had seeped out of there, so it was... What they found was that she had received blunt trauma to, I believe it was the back of her head. Correct. Now, if there was a loss of blood from that... 
then you would think that it would stain her, it would stain the bed she was in, it would stain the room. But the only item they found from my reading of the case is uh, a blood stain later. Um, so that does present an interesting mystery. Now, my next step in thinking is, okay, has this case actually been reported correctly? Like, uh, from, from what I've been looking into, uh, the it seems that there's a lot of reiterations of this case based on um, there is an article from a blog called the Trevor K, I believe. Yep. And that seems to be the source of it. Uh, however, the Wikipedia page on it goes to a Swedish uh, uh, crime book from 1989. So how accurately it's been transcribed, I'm not sure. But what's also interesting is that... Um, one thing that makes it sound as if giving it more of a vampiric layer is that, that there was mention of saliva on the body. Yep, yep. So which would, now, the, the, the brain starts to think, okay, well, the fang marks or bite marks should be following this, but there, there isn't any. There, there's nothing that's mentioned in that report. So clearly what was happening, at least in my reading, would be that, this seemed to have happened in the middle of intercourse, so the, the and clearly anal intercourse uh, for the condom still found in there, which would strongly suggest it was one of the clients. Uh, the, her friend recalled her coming downstairs to ask for a condom. Now, who the client was, it's likely we'll never know unless the um, the museum that hosts this maybe decides to do some. Uh, DNA testing on it because this case happened in, I believe it was 1932. Correct. So they wouldn't add any kind of um, any kind of procedure that we do now. Uh, and the suspects at the time were cleared, but obviously that just means that it was someone who maybe who wasn't a regular or um, could have been an out of towner or, or anything like that. There's no clear mention of any clues at all apart from the saliva, which in, in today, with today's um, uh, today's technology, that could have virtually solved it straight away. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So it is. It is a strange, a very strange case. Presuming it's been transcribed correctly, it's very hard for me to account for where the blood has gone purely because what I'm reading gives no indication that there was splatter or anything else. It seems to have literally just disappeared into thin air. The only other aspect to that is it could have been that after the corpse was found two days later, I mean, it could have pulled up somewhere or something like that. The only escape wound for the blood to have been taken out seems to have been the head. Now, the ladle makes it sound as if um, whoever did it had hit her in the back of the head, which would make sense because if she, if the condom was found in her anus, then she was clearly engaging in sex, uh, anal sex at the time, which meant she would have been facing back. Uh, the, the her the perpetrator would have been behind her when this had happened. But that's not to say necessarily that it was the same person who did it to her it could have been from a previous act it could have been someone who snuck in or any we it's so vague we've got no kind of idea but let's say it did happen during that time he must have assailed her while they were in the act and then later it sounds like he 
got a ladle from the kitchen and probably drank her blood. The parallels that I draw on with that is uh, sexual sadists like um, Peter Curtin um, and uh, Fritz Harman, who were within around a decade of these kind of events. And what's interesting to me that this happened during roughly the same era too, so the global depression. Um, and there, there's a, a sexual element to their crime, and that's what it sounds like to me. I mean, uh, it, it still boggles me why there would be no blood present at the scene, but that could purely be how the case has been transcribed rather than there being none at all. And what we do find with a lot of um, cases that are interpreted to be vampire cases, for example... Um, if your listeners get a chance to Google uh, William Do um, Doggett, uh, who, who, whose original stories around him began as kind of like ghost stories but evolved with each retelling to add vampiric elements until it became a vampire story. And I'm wondering if something similar has happened in this case. Um, so I'm not 100% sure. It, it, is, it is quite an interesting case that deserves further research. A good point that Anthony keeps bringing up time and time again is that chances are some of the information that we are receiving is being lost in the translation, which is a huge issue when trying to find out more information about this topic. While researching this online, I only found a handful of articles that actually got me any information whatsoever. And most of the articles that I was reading was just reiterating a lot of the same information. Yeah, the, the Bella Lugosi uh, movie was out in 1931. You had uh, uh, Carl Dreyer's Vampire in 1932 as well, covering that kind of region. Um, if by that you mean is there a possibility they were inspired by it, um, I would say you wouldn't even need to look to the movie because history has given us plenty of examples of, uh, of serial killers or, or, you know, people who have, had maybe a bloodthirst as a motive. Uh, there's been uh, multiple books written on it. Um, I'm just trying to think of one off the top of my head. I think Dracula Syndrome by Richard Monaco is one of them. Um, and what's interesting there is there is a few... Uh, uh, the reason why it's so hard for me to say parallel cases now that I'm thinking about is because these crimes typically tended to be committed more than once as far as we know this is the only time that person ever did it unless uh, unless there's been further research into it and i think our barrier as english language speakers is that there's probably a lot more that has been written about this case in swedish and it's only kind of recently coming to western attention so that's a that's a stumbling block for us there mm -hmm. yeah um I know that it's been it's been difficult researching this topic because there's not mm -hmm. there's not a lot of yeah as you just said uh, English uh, written works about this it's all from like two or three sources and it's all just been paraphrased by a bunch of different articles yes yeah precisely so I mean the 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 step for the researcher there I mean especially. Uh, uh, on the Swedish side, there's uh, you know a bunch of vampire scholars on that end. The 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 lead I would chase up there is contemporary reporting. Uh, I also investigate the Highgate Vampire. 
um, which was uh, which occurred in, in in London during the 1970s. And what the the most interesting thing I've gotten out of that is contemporary coverage often differs quite significantly from works published years later. And that that uh, the reason for that is a combination of um, uh, revisionism. So you know they're changing their stories as they go or um, uh, misreporting by media outlets. Uh, there's a variety of factors. It's the kind of friend of a friend tale effect mm-hmm. where the more the story is repeated, the, the details start to change. That's why it would be best to go straight to the source of when this was reported because maybe uh, there, there's an example that comes into my head, actually. There was a, uh, there was a suicide um, at, at Highgate Cemetery, and I'm trying to remember the date. I believe it was 1973. And in later reports... The suicide is questioned because um, he was apparently stabbed in the back. You know, suicides don't typically knife themselves in the back repeatedly, but contemporary reporting shows that the the knife attack actually happened at the front, which is more consistent with reporting. That's what's always important to go to the source of these things, and I think it would be interesting to see uh, with assistance from someone fluent in Swedish and has access to these records, whether there's more details that we're not familiar with purely because we've got a kind of condensed version of the case. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, in your opinion, uh, mm-hmm. who do you think committed this crime? I couldn't pinpoint it down to anyone in particular. I mean, most likely uh, it would have been one of her client some just deprived individual um uh, and if he did indeed i mean i even wonder if the ladle itself was used as a murder weapon you know uh, for it to be the only blood-stained item in the room and it's consistent with blunt force trauma i mean especially if it was a heavy ladle and he just laid into her uh during the act i mean you can only um, imagine what kind of mindset that is. I mean, it was an economically depressed time as well, so there was a kind of cheapness of life there too. Um, But, I mean, you could argue that for any era as well. So, I mean, I certainly couldn't nail it down to one person. I mean, the police at the time had no idea, clearly. And my, my knowledge of this case is... I would say virtually the same as what you've got too. So I think we need more, uh, definitely need more research into it. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the one of the theories was that potentially it was um, a police officer that did it, and the reason okay. why people speculate that it was a police officer is because uh, the fact that the the crime scene was so was so clean. Yep. Okay, that's interesting. I mean, it, it, that would give them time to clean it up, sure. I mean, and that makes sense in, the, in like, where did the blood go? So someone could very well have come in and, and mopped it up, um, but you would think that might backfire on them too because surely they think, well, this is too clean um, as well. And I, I, I'm not sure if they were using... One of the big questions that I always had with this was, where did all the blood go? Um, I also want to point out yes. that um, theoretically, and you know, chances are, you know, it's 2018. Uh, the person who did this murder is probably dead at this point. Dead in the ground. But yeah. 
one of the thoughts here is that what if this person had died very quickly um, after this murder? Because drinking that much... <laughs> drinking blood's not. <laughs> drinking that much blood, <laughs> theoretically, in large doses, is poisonous to humans. Interesting. Uh, so this person could have been dead. And is know, it possible that... As, as soon as they found her yeah. body. Right. They could have gone home and just died. That's interesting. Did they ever... Was that like a, a theory proposed at the time or like later on? This is, this is a theory proposed later on. Ah. Any blood on file that we can just test? Uh, but like, was there like blood all over the ground, all over the floor of the apartment? Um, it was, it was remarkably clean. The entire thing. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, the crime scene was very clean minus the bloodstained ladle. On so the there's floor. a big question of, of where did all the blood go? How did it leave her body? Um, how did it not make a big mess? Yeah. 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 Cause so, so is the running theory that she was killed in that apartment that she wasn't moved in any way from there? Yeah. It seems like as though bed, she was, she died from blood force trauma. Was there blood on the bed, like around her head? From um, the yes. Hit. Yes. Man, that's wild. This is weird. I mean, I could see maybe an incision being made, a body being drained of blood into like a bucket. You could keep it fairly clean. Uh, you then like once the body is empty, like the incision becomes less obvious because it's not bleeding anymore. Right. Um, sure. And it wouldn't have to be an, an incredibly large incision. I would think that even an autopsyist in the third in the 1930s would be able to find such an incision. Because um, that's kind of their job. They look at yeah. the body. It's dead. And also spoiler there's no blood in the body so they would obviously be looking for why right. that might be but maybe at that point such an incision is difficult to locate sure um, then then the perpetrator would have to take the bucket with them and they chose to leave the ladle behind so that's curious that is curious i think i'd take my ladle <sighs> yeah how are you gonna ladle how, with, you, how are you gonna get your you soup gonna... out of your pot yeah. without yeah. a ladle yeah right um, now, now it is interesting that, um, uh, it, it, maybe this information wasn't, wasn't leaked to the public or anything like this. Um, with, with, with the autopsy, you know, coming back with conclusive clues. I don't know. Um, because, because it hasn't been in, in any of my research. Mm -hmm. Um, they did, um, there is a, uh, um, a part of, um, a lot of evidence that has been uh, given over to, um, I believe it is, um, like the Stockholm Crime Museum. Okay. Um, sure. And so and so and so we have images of specific things that were found at the crime scene, mm. um, as well as some some DNA testing of sorts. Um, this image here, uh, there's like six different vials. There's like a map of the of the apartment and then it looks as though like old 1932 condom wrappers. Okay. One of them it looks like there was some hair in one of the vials. Yeah. And so these were like samples taken from the crime scene. Exactly. Okay. And so and so basically at this point they've kind of decided that they're not going to ever be able to solve the murder. And so they've just released some evidence to, to I think this I think once it's been 70 years, I think you should stop trying to solve the murder. Yeah. Yeah. The, once the 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 perpetrator is certainly dead, it's like let you have other jobs to do. Right. You know, there yeah. are still murders happening. It's please very go, sad please that go Lily's dead. 
wish we could bring her her, her yeah her, yeah the perpetrator to to justice but we can't but there's other justice to serve yes yeah um so what do you guys think happened what what specific things do you guys think may have happened are we and so we're certain that the body had no blood in it no like, blood it wasn't just like wow she looks really pale no blood or very f- right or very little blood yeah like so, like a criminally low amount of blood criminally low. <laughs> it's illegal to have this little blood <laughs> um <laughs> in a way it is you die yeah um <laughs> fatally low maybe fatally low criminally is a lot funnier though um <laughs> Yeah, I think that certainly while the body had no blood in it, all of the blood must have left in some way, uh, whether it's through a wound or whether it was purposefully drained. Uh, the ladle being covered in blood obviously makes you think that someone was doing something with the blood that involved the ladle, maybe drinking it. Peep, there's there's weirdos. I mean, do you think a vampire did this? No. <laughs> <laughs> We had asked the question. Yeah, I had to ask the question. Okay, Brandon. Well, okay, but how do we define a vampire? Is it strictly a supernatural creature and, or yes. just a yes. creature? Strictly who a supernatural creature. Blood. Okay, all right, fine. Then no. But you could argue that if a vampire is just a person who drinks blood, then yes, a vampire did it. If you're just, but then you're just but playing you, then with you're labels. Just, right? Yeah, of course. Um, no one needs to do that. But we all know that a vampire is an immortal being who is hurt by the sunlight the sun or sparkles in the sunlight yes, yeah um, there you go that's and falls in love with uh little girls in seattle uh she's 18 and Not when she when he meets her though and um yeah i think that someone drained the blood uh i think that they would had to have put it in a bucket and took it with them because for later um and they forgot their ladle maybe they have another one at home uh and I think it was it was it was likely a John. Um, so you, so it was it was likely one of her clients. Yeah, it's often what happens in in prostitution. Absolutely, but I I I, I do wonder about the cleanliness of the scene. Mm-hmm. That is really suspicious to me, and it um, it strikes me as something that like the blunt force trauma to the head seems impulsive, like what you would expect from a from a person right. paying someone for sex um like they're into into it or something and then they or 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 like or, or that's she, just you know he that's how he got it done yeah like sure he but had to... but but what i'm saying is maybe he didn't mean to okay it was like a, a, a act of passion so and th- so it's but, an act but, of passion that he then but kills her by hitting over the head somehow but, but then, then but the blood, but then how do you explain the blood right no right and yeah. so I, I i sort of don't think it's a john because of that um, so you, so so you think it might be like a police officer or something, someone who can, and someone I, who knows I, what they're looking for, someone I who can clean that the crime makes scene. Sense. Um, now theoretically, theoretically, it could have been you know the person who she saw later that night could have been a police officer. Right. Well, sure. Yeah. No, that's absolutely true. True. I'm just saying, not some Joe Schmo off the street. Mm-hmm. Not um, some broker who yeah. is just trying to get his kicks. And <laughs> that's not the phrase at all. That's not. <laughs> Uh, anyway, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, we're both right. It is. Yeah. It is to note that um, it didn't seem like this was a serial killer at all because there's only one. Which is the other thing you one, think about when you see the cleanli- the cleanliness, mm-hmm. the, like uh, the clinical sort of. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There was only there was only one sort of murder that happened that was 
that was like this. This was the only one. The Dalio one you're referring to. No, this oh, is, yeah, just this one. Got it. Just yeah, this yeah, one. Yeah, just yeah. this one. Yes. Um, as I said earlier, they have similarities between the two. Right. But you know, I don't Lily think that they. I don't think that they are related. Um, they seem different. They seem very different. Yeah. Um, but. But this was the only one that sort of had this sort of signature where she, her, where her body was drained of blood. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and the the crime scene was unusually clean, and there was a ladle left over. That's the only one. That is like this. It, it's a variety of strange details. The blunt force seems impulsive. The ladle seems messy. The blood seems difficult to do. And then and the, the and fact then, that everything's clean yeah. and the messiness of the ladle being left behind. It's very, it, it's, it's, it's very yeah. interesting. Yeah. yeah. But also, like, I mean, it was the 30s. They didn't have as much technology, so it would have been easier to, like, clean up blood mm-hmm. and, and have it be undetectable. Um, sure. I don't think they had like black lights they could right. shine around. Sure. Uh, and you could you could argue they they hastily cleaned up the mess. The mess did a good a good enough job at it, and you know they're still like freaking out. And so they they happened to leave the ladle behind. They forgot about it. They made a mistake. This this is a good point about the uh, investigative tools not available to them. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, that makes a lot of sense. Because I. The things that we use, that we might use to clean up some blood, probably they had in some form mm-hmm. at that time. Right, some sort of cleaning bleach stuff. And, sure, yeah, yeah right. right, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, like like Brendan said earlier, like if this happened today, certainly they would maybe it would certainly be a lot more likely that we could catch this person. Yeah, um, uh, and, I mean, I mean, because they left the ladle behind. That's that's messy. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, now, yeah. now the question that I'm wanting to know. Because, because sure, you know, we have potentially this person did it, you know, X, Y, and Z, whatever. Yeah. Um, the question is, what was the motive? Why did somebody end up killing Lily Lindstrom? Why did it happen? I mean, going with our Be- running theory here that perhaps a professional of some kind or a cop or whatever got into it. If, if, if this person is seeing... A prostitute he may have like he might not have access to the sexual um you know like he might not have enough freedom sexually to do some things that he would want to do like drink someone's blood and so he finds a prostitute okay has so sex with her and then wants to drink her blood so you think so you think the person that did this is like mentally disturbed mentally that yeah I think that could be a, a theory that some mental instability leading to uh the reason for this i mean i mean does does lily have any reason to be killed like no does, i mean she's secretly a mob boss yeah. none of the n- none of the information that i've been able to pull um has claimed that she had really any enemies whatsoever sure most of it is just uh victimizing you know her which which she should be victimized she, because she is a victim yeah of this um, but, but none of it really went into any sort of past relations or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I mean, it is a thing that happens, you know, yeah. it's just an abusive thing that can occur, uh, yeah. um, that like, I mean, sometimes these things just maybe he was like, let's do this. And she was like, no. And, and he was like, no, let's do this. And she was like, no. And then he hit her over the head and he was like, whoops, whoops, we're doing you know, this. Like, and so, and it could be just maybe it, it was a very reactive person maybe not even necessarily like someone schizophrenic or like crazy mental illness or anything but just like a very reactive person that is very impulsive that um 
reacted very poorly to her saying no. Um, and you know, it's in a, probably in a very emotional state because they were trying to have sex with her. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, and so did this thing and, uh, it could have, you know, she could have bled out a lot from her wound. Um, and, uh, somehow the blood got cleaned up. It's weird that she, it would be hard to clean up a bed. The bed, if the bed would have to be very bloody. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the ladle's fucking weird too. Wait a uh, second. If you like podcasts, chances are you're going to like audible.com. With Audible, you're able to listen to your books anytime you want, in the car, at home, or at the gym. Really, anytime you have access to your phone. They have a huge selection, over 180,000 titles to choose from. So what are you waiting for? Check out audible.com. And use the promo code audibletrial.com slash MWRcast for your free sign-up. Once again, that's audibletrial.com slash MWRcast for a free audiobook and a free trial. You won't want to miss it. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that they're ever going to solve this? Do I think that they're ever going to what? Sorry? To solve this? I think it's it's anything's kind of possible. I mean, even I keep my mind open about the Jack the Ripper case too. I mean, there was a few years ago where they found some bloodied apron and, and did some DNA testing on it. Unfortunately, the result from that was a little bit inconclusive purely because it, the, the material, I believe, had been tainted by being handled so many times over the years. But, I mean, this case is... It's within living memory for a, for a generation, you know. Mm. So, and, and we do have the technology now to uh, to do DNA testing. Uh, so, if they could piece it together somehow, maybe connecting it to other cold cases or doing further research. I mean, even in terms of the level of information available to us, where we can go through. Um, uh, newspaper archives online. I know personally speaking, I've turned up some amazing things just by even going on Google Books because what's happened now is the information world has opened up to us that uh, people are scanning things which would bear no immediate relevance to them, but it opens the, the door to the world in terms of what's out there. So maybe lurking somewhere in, in an online archive or even a, a library or whatever, there, there, there might be more clues to piece together. I, I think it's definitely a case that should be looked into further. I mean, it's, it's, it's got all the, the great elements behind it. With the, the biggest one being where did, where did the blood go? Yep, yep. I completely agree. I, mm. I completely agree. Today's episode was produced by Brandon Brown, Curtis Mueller, and me. Special thanks to our guest, Max Mariner, whose voice is at the beginning telling the story of what happened to Lily Lindstrom. You can find Max on his YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Max Mariner, as well as Anthony Hogg. You can find him on his website, thevampirologist.wordpress.com. 
as well as any of his social medias. There will be links to all of this in the show notes below. Special thanks to Christian Tadino for whipping up some quick sound bites for this episode, as well as David Stietze, Parvis Decree, and Mjaden for the music for this episode. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to leave us a review on iTunes or anywhere else you get your podcasts. And if you like this style of episode, let us know by tweeting at us at MWRCast or checking out our Facebook and leaving a message there. We really appreciate the feedback. And once again, thanks again. We'll see you next time.